0: Fantasy and some flights exploring the realms of beer board games books and bourbon
1: Welcome to another episode of the fantasy and some flights podcast i'm nelson i'm dalton and tonight we have a special guest with us my wife smalls how are you doing smalls
2: good (laughs) <laughs> AKA the <company>. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, this is uh,
1: this is my nemesis. I m- I mean wait, hold on. No. My my uh, oh. favorite person in yes, the world. Yes. Favorite person in the world. That is right. Yes. Also the person that always right. kicks my ass at board games. Very so. True. We are really happy to have yep. you on. So thank you for coming on. For sure. She submitted enough icebreaker questions to earn a spot on, <laughs> on the <laughs> Pretty <podcast>. much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we figured we'd finally bring her on, especially to talk about a game that she is really good at. And I am not. So we, we wanted to bring in the experts. So today we are talking about, or we're doing a deep dive analysis on Through the Ages. So by Vlada Shaval, mm-hmm. one of, I think it's, I mean, it's top 10 board game on Board Game Geek, right? It's yes. highly acclaimed, a, a great game. And so we wanted to do a deep dive on that because I know that Smalls has been playing a lot. Dalton plays a good bit as well. And I don't, but I always enjoy getting my butt kicked. Mm-hmm. So... I'm excited for the conversation. But before we dive into our analysis (laughs) of Through the Ages, we are all drinking. So we're going to do kind of a flight section. So Dalton, do you want to start us out? What's on your flight tonight?
0: Yeah, I'll start us out tonight. So I am drinking Avery Brewing uh, White Rascal. So Avery Brewing is in Boulder, Colorado. Um, If you're not familiar with the area, that's like just a little bit north of Denver and a little bit south of where I'm at. So White Rascal is a Belgian style white ale. I got this one for like mowing the lawn. You know, this is my, like, outdoor, like, we
1: just... Oh, okay, yeah. I thought someone <laughs> paid you for mowing their grass, and then then they gave it to you, but no, okay, yeah, so I... I got I it for the understand. activity Sorry. of mowing
0: my home. own lawn, because we moved, and so we moved into a new house, um, which is really exciting. Congratulations. Thank Congratulations. you. Um, and as a part of that, we get, like, a million house projects, and so I needed, like, a project beer, and so this is my, <laughs> this is my project beer. I really like um, Belgian styles and just, like, light ales for, for that type of thing anyway, so... 5.6%. Um, it's not gonna like you know make me uh, irresponsible with a screwdriver, so that's nice. <laughs> it already has like some orange peel um, in it, and it also lists like coriander, which is kind of interesting. I don't have like enough of a palate to like actually taste coriander, but
1: you know. <laughs> I don't even know what coriander <laughs> tastes exactly, like. So. I couldn't
0: figure it out of the lineup. Um, but we'll often add orange, uh, or like an orange slice, to like a blue moon, um, which is another like Belgian style ale, right? Um, so the fact that it's already kind of coming with that is, is is pretty nice. So I'm definitely enjoying it. I would give it a three three cheers. Oh, okay. Avery Brewing is new to me. I'm finding overall <laughs> that Colorado yeah. beers are much better than Colorado whiskeys, um, which is a little unfortunate for me because I like whiskey so much. But um, the microbrew like is you know scene is really well established, and the micro like distilling scene is still kind of in its infancy. So,
1: three cheers for the Belgian! So, Smalls, what is on your flight tonight?
2: Uh, I'm drinking moonshine, naturally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> We went to Gatlinburg uh, for a vacation, and then so we went to the old Smoky Moonshine Distillery,
0: and yeah. then they were
2: having a deal of six things of moonshine for the price of five. Yep. So we got six different ones. <laughs> so I'm drinking some Hunch Punch. We didn't want to lose lemonade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's not exactly
1: a deal you can walk away from. Yeah. yeah. No, literally, we couldn't <laughs> quite walk away. It was after the tasting, so... Yeah, it was after we tasted, what, 12? 12, 12 different Different, different moonshines. Yeah, yeah they, they treat you good there.
2: Yeah, they had to limit number of tastings you could have. So, <laughs> you're right.
1: Sorry, sorry, I cut you off. You are having Hunch Punch?
2: Yeah, it's Hunch Punch flavored mixed with lemonade. And it tastes like Hawaiian punch.
1: I love it. Very it's nice. very dangerous.
2: It's true. It's very easy to drink.
1: <laughs> it is very easy to drink. Yeah. What? What? So you know, we kind of do the Cheers rating. Like one, you would never drink it again. Four, if you see it, you buy it. What? So on a rating of one Cheers to four Cheers, what would you give the Hunch Punch Lemonade combo?
2: Do you do half half Cheers, or do you? Do I have to pick three? Or you? you or have, do I have to pick a round number? You
0: have to pick a round number. I would get. Nelson's tried this game before too. <laughs> 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 um,
2: I'd give it a four. I'm gonna do this as often as four. Okay, I love it. 4 Very cheers. Nice. Let's
1: go. <laughs> Perfect. All righty, and then on my flight, I'm actually drinking something that I would not really consider a craft beer, but I saw it at the store so I felt like I needed to pick it up. And so, this is Yingling's Oktoberfest. So, Yingling is a huh. is a kind of like the go-to cheap beer. Now that if I can find it, right. If, if I had to pick one that I'm just going to buy like 30 of them, it, I'm going to go with Yingling. And so mm-hmm. the Oktoberfest is, you know, it's October. It's exciting. You know, I just never had it before. Right. So I, I, I picked it up. It is. It's OK. I mean, we've, we've talked on the podcast before that Oktoberfest are Oktoberfest beers. There's nothing right. super special <laughs> about them. You could probably mix them all together and they're probably going to taste just about the same. And so, <laughs> I mean, I mean, and that's kind of what this yingling is. So in that sense, it's a two and a half. Che- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> a- oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would say it's a I mean, it's a three cheers for me. Um, huh. I mean, the price point was pretty good. I think it was like mm-hmm. it was right around. It was a little bit over a dollar a beer. OK, you know, you know, cheaper than like a lot of the craft beers. And so, I mean, I'm not tasting st- way higher quality out of the ones that you're spending more money on for an Oktoberfest. So this Gingling Oktoberfest is, you know, it's good. It's good. I would pick it up if it's October, if it's March, I would not pick it up. I I would be concerned about that actually, but (laughs) outside of that, you know, it's, it's a one cheers in March and a three cheers in October. Right, isn't it, it September? Be, it, I'm just throwing this out it there. It is September, it's September. <laughs> it is September, so I guess it is a two cheese, yeah. But it's, no. <laughs> it's October for the listeners, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, <laughs> never <mind. You> <laughs> so instead of like our, our normal table section, what we're gonna do is we're going to put smalls on the hot seat and we're gonna see, we're gonna ask her a couple of questions, which we did. No, we should just change them. That, that would be <laughs> fun. That'd be really fun. No. That'd be very. Rude. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna try and, we're gonna get to know our um, guest host tonight. So Smalls, let's start out with uh, easier one. What is your favorite board game?
2: It's probably my favorite board game is probably Spirit Island.
1: That's a great choice. Like
2: I don't. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> they're such a cute couple. I know. <laughs> it works so well that we can play it together. It's yes. weird how that works out. <laughs> but, yeah, I just there's so much replayability. Literally always.
1: Yeah. Do you have a favorite spirit to play as?
2: I like the offensive ones, and I get to kill <laughs> lots of things at one time. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it sounds about right. Literally.
0: Nice. <laughs> that theme will come back later tonight in this. <laughs> <show>. <laughs> <laughs> do you think yeah. Spirit Island has like your guys's most like play time, like as a couple? Um, I mean, because Nelson has like you know Marvel Champions will throw things oh, off. But stupid
2: stuff. <laughs> the, what, what do like, you think? That's the one we played the most as a couple. Yeah. Ter- what are you thinking? Terraforming Mars? No, I think it's the crew. Oh, yeah, the crew might.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. That's addictive. Yeah, I like. I think the crew is our, besides Marvel Champions, like my most played time-wise. So if you're if you're counting games that we play with other people, I think it would be the crew. If it's just right. games that the two of us play, then it would definitely be Spirit Island. Yeah. Terraforming Mars may be up there, but that was way before I started tracking and all of those games start to run together
2: yeah it's falling off
1: (laughs) our radar awesome i i i love that choice obviously (laughs) so and i'm and i think i'm really glad that you like that choice too because it means that i get to play it so yeah that
0: works out really well for you
1: (laughs) yeah it really does Alrighty, so moving into the other half of our kind of world what is your favorite book
2: um, well, okay, currently I'm literally obsessed with uh, the author Sarah J. Moss, and uh, I just finished her Throne of Glass series, and it's like the main character is like a like, female assassin person, and it's pretty dope. There are seven cool. books, and then like multiple novellas, and I crammed that out in like a couple weeks. <laughs> because yeah, I, sure. I didn't see my
1: wife for like three weeks. It was I crazy. could not
2: stop. I could not stop. It's fine. I do not <laughs> have a problem.
1: <laughs> so dalton i did buy the first thrown a glass novel f- on audible so oh I, I, I was about plan to ask on, that i plan on listening to the f- through the first one do it yeah so that was highly encouraged borderline threatening from small school. i
2: don't know if it was borderline
1: <laughs> that's fair it was, definitely it was threatening it was pretty close yeah
0: divorce was thrown out there
2: <laughs> i mean but that's often so like
0: <laughs> no i'm excited to read that though because i'm uh I'm working my way through Dune. We have a Dune episode coming up. Yeah. Um, a Dune analysis episode coming up. And so I'm like working my way through rereading that. Um, and then I was kind of, I don't know, scoping out what could what could come next after that. So that if you've already bought it, especially, it's like, well, okay.
1: Might as well, right?
0: <laughs> Might as well. This is a freebie. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Cool.
1: Yeah. Then there's only, if we like it, there's only six more to buy. Plus so, novellas. Plus novellas. So. Yeah. <laughs> plus novellas. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> get it pumped
1: yeah all i'm saying dalton is that this is yet another excuse to or to push off the reading of wheel of time so yeah exactly
0: Exactly. (laughs) at some point also you will read it also the last like i think i think i'm right in saying this the last okay the last seven book series that i completed was terrible
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i'm no one said you didn't have loyalty (laughs) <laughs> right exactly it was the um
2: what you gave me. it the old college trying
1: <laughs> um this is
0: the unwanted um, which is actually the one that was like recommended by eric lang okay um, yeah that we that we or that i read and then i said don't read this because it's um bad but uh, i'm also like five books into i need to pick up the witcher series again which i believe is a seven book series and so if if this one if you're you know what, what's the name of the series again
2: throne of glass
0: if the Witcher series doesn't do it, then the Throne of Glass series might do it for me. So
2: there's a lot of like comparisons of the main character to Jack Sparrow in like parts of the Caribbean. Ooh, like that's the kind nice. of energy that she gets off. Okay. Like, yeah, I love that. Yeah, there's like loads of memes that it's just like Jack Sparrow saying something, but her name over it.
1: <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to check that one out. Alrighty, and we didn't prepare you for this one, but I, I just thought about oh, it. No. What, <laughs> what What is your favorite drink?
2: Just in general, in life.
1: Yeah. Alcoholic, of course. Any
2: pink wine? I don't know. Like, okay. any- <laughs> <laughs> classy. classy. I, have, I have an irrational thought that if wine is pink, then it's probably delicious. And so, anytime I'm just like, yeah, is it pink? I want that one.
1: I feel like that's probably a fair judgment call.
2: Right. It seems reasonable. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's made nice. to be tasty. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. We got Spirit Island, Throne of Glass, and Pink Wine. That's my wife right there. Yep. So, <laughs> in a nutshell. In a nutshell. <laughs> Alrighty. So, let's move into the main topic of tonight, which is the discussion about Vlada Through the Ages, a new story of civilization. So, this game was published in 2015, and it's a rework or a uh, Revamp 2.0 of a game that was published in 2006 by Vlado Shavato called Through the Ages, A Story of Civilization. So I'm guessing what happened <laughs> is that he put that down as a working title and forgot to change it before they sent it to the publisher. So, <laughs> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> so but it's a super important <laughs> distinction. You really need to get the new in there. Yes. <laughs>
0: and so they changed the ex- box art, so that's helpful.
1: They did change the box art and it confused me for the longest time i i did not realize that there were two different games i'm actually not sure what the difference is do you know anything about that dalton i've never played it no
0: i assume it's just like a rebalancing i I have no idea
1: that that, that's kind of what i'm guessing as well anyways we're talking about the new story of civilization the one that's ranked nine on bgg so it's top 10 it's been up there for a long time um yeah i think it
0: peaked at like two or something like that yeah it 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 got really high at one point
1: And I mean, there's a reason for that. All of that being said, it is a heavy game. So on Board Game Geek, it weights out at a 4.41 out of 5. So this is, I think, the second heaviest game in our collection, with the first one being On Mars. So Mm. 4.41 out of 5. And that is mainly because it is a sandbox civilization game. So... Dalton, do you want to give us a kind of brief overview of what you are doing in Through the Ages? Yeah, sure.
0: And I, I would also comment that the reason that the complexity is so high is strictly because of happy faces and how they work.
1: <laughs> I'm still not sure what <laughs> those are. Right. That, Sometimes the I know the the way that people that it works, are mad at me, and then I lose the game. I, <laughs> exactly. like <laughs> The way that they work is that the app does it for you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um,
0: But yeah, through the age, if you played any of um, Sid Meier's Civilization games, this is themed for that. Sid Meier's actually like a leader in the game, right? So the the IP for that was kind of given to Vlada for this game. So it feels very similar. It is a 4X game. Um, I think it's like one of the only 4X games that we've talked about that is like not a dudes on a map game. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. It has an exterminate portion, right? It does meet that for 4X. um, But there's not like, you know, fighting over a map or whatever involved in it. But the start of the game, you're in, you know, whatever it calls it, ancient times or something like that. Age of Antiquity, I think is is maybe the name of it. And you're starting and you're, you know, you can recruit leaders like Moses or whatever. And you're, you know, you have basic like bronze working and you have all your little workers um, and they can make, you know, food, they can make resources to build things. um, They can make science, um, they can make culture and they can make happy faces for you. Um, Or they can be turned into like strength for military and stuff. And then the point of the game is you're kind of like researching things from a common river over the course of the game. You, you pull these cards down, right? And you can research them. And that allows you to build like more complicated types of buildings. This is kind of simulating like the advance of technology. And then you can use your food to get more people. You can use your resources to build those people into things. And then your point of your game is to try and score culture. Culture can be scored directly or at the end of the game, um, there will be like some bonuses that the players actually get to decide, which is one of the fun mechanics of the game, Um, just kind of based on like your position at the end of the game. So are you the strongest player? Do you have the most technology? Do you have the most food production? Do you, you know, things like that. Winning scores for this game get like super confusing, right? Like they have this (laughs) really wide range um, because one thing that and I'm sure this will come up a lot in conversation. Um, One thing that will really impact the score is, like, how aggressive are the players being to each other. If the players are, like, investing a lot of resources in their militaries to, like, grow their militaries and beat each other up, um, then they're going to have comparatively lower, generally, culture scores at the end of the game. Um, If the players are kind of staying out of each other's ways, um, then then they're, you know, investing all of their resources in engine building, and at the end of the game, they can have these really crazy scores. Um, so it's hard at the start of the game to feel like, you know, how am I doing like relative to the other players, even though it's being tracked like right in front of you, there's like a score tracker right in the middle of the board. Um, it can sometimes be really hard to tell even very late in the game, like who's going to end up winning.
1: Yeah, one of the things that I've come across in my place is that you really kind of have to play the player, right? You cannot necessarily go into a game of through the ages with a strategy saying, hey, like this is what I'm going to do this game. It's very much a Oh shoot! I see that Smalls is building up military. If I don't start building up my military to react, then I need to like I'm gonna I'm gonna get beat up on. I'm gonna lose the game. Yeah, I'm um, gonna plan to die. Like that's <laughs> right. And so it there's a lot of kind of looking over the table. Oh, what what's going on over there? What are we doing over here? And so it's it's very reading the table what's going on and it's unless every single player is playing siloed you cannot really play a solitaire game do you disagree with that
2: uh i always play like a (laughs) solitaire except for seeing if someone is strong and then i'm like i just want to be a little less strong than them (laughs) so they don't attack me and then i can continue to do what i want
1: yeah so Okay, so we've we've talked about attacking. Smalls, Can you describe what the method is or you, you keep saying attacking. What does that mean? Like what 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 is the mechanism in the game that leads to a player attacking another player?
2: Yeah, so you can either there's a like political action phase and so you can either do like an aggression or and try to take resources from another player or and that's based on military strength or you can start like a war and then each person has one turn to build up their military and whoever's winning at the end can is the winner and probably either takes resources or victory points
1: so yes you can play aggressions and you play it against a certain player so mm-hmm. like if if the three of us are playing a game it comes up in the politics phase which is the first phase on your turn you can play an aggression and what you were saying is you want it to be right below the leader the leading aggressor because if you're sitting at 10 military strength, I'm sitting at nine military strength and Dalton is sitting at three military strength. It's more advantageous for you to attack Dalton than it is me.
0: Yeah. I think this is a good place to go first. Cause like the, you know, the point of these analyses is like, how do we win the game? Right? Like for a, for a novice player trying to play at like an intermediate level kind of is, is where we generally try and scope these um, episodes. Um, and military it's, a, it's just a really big part of the strategy of the game. And so I think this is a really good place to start. Um, And Smalls is right, I would agree, that being last can be extremely punishing, like, very quickly, almost out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, Like, you can be in a position where you are last, and, like, it goes around, and you're, like, totally fine. Like, oh, nobody's really building up. And then everybody builds up a couple, and you're like, oh, this maybe is kind of a problem. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) like, people play multiple aggressions on you, right? And one thing that the game allows you to do is if you are below in strength, right, you can use some of your political cards to try and... Uh, like, defend yourself, you know, so you can basically make up the difference in strength against an aggression um, by, like, discarding political cards from your hand. And that usually works, like, once, right? But if you are, if, like, if it's going around the table, right, and Nelson does it to me, and I, like, spend all my cards doing that, then I'm, like, basically totally defenseless. And even though Smalls isn't, like, that much ahead of me, all of a sudden she can beat me up, right? And so it can kind of pile on kind of quickly. Um, The other thing I would say is that, like, because so many of the political cards are, like, strength-based, not even like the aggressions, but like the ones that just go into the political deck, you know, will say thing, things like, you know, the strongest player takes four culture from the weakest player or something like that. That just the fact that you're sitting in last place, even if nobody's playing aggressions, they're probably going to have to play some of those political cards. Um, and that type of thing can start to pile up. And you can even start losing resources and destroying buildings. And all of a sudden you're like way behind without really a, a whole lot of opportunity to catch up.
1: I think that is one of the downfalls of the game. I don't know if it's a downfall. It's a downside of the game. I feel like, you know, we, we have this like whole, you know, kill the leader aspect in a lot of games where if someone's out ahead, you kind of all target them. Whereas I feel like this is almost the opposite problem where if someone's already losing, it's really easy to pile onto them and just beat them into the ground. I, I feel like you have to almost go into this game understanding that that's probably going to happen to at least one of the players at the table. And it feels a lot better when everyone understands that it's a game because it can be a mm-hmm. very brutal game and feelings can get hurt depending on, <laughs> on uh, if that's not uh, established beforehand, especially because it can be a four six hour long game in person. Right. Yeah.
2: I feel like that really depends on if there's new players or not. Like if everyone knows what's happening, then everyone can keep up. But then if there's. Like when the three of us played and Dalton and I knew exactly that we needed to have military <laughs> and you did not. Like, And so then, yeah, you got beat up on a little
1: bit. Yeah, that our, the last game, we, we played a three-player game. The last game I knew in age one. So you play age A, one, two, and three. I knew in age one that I had lost the game because it kind of is a very like you can just get so far behind. And like you were saying, you steal resources. And so not only is that putting you forward. If you're the aggressor, it's also taking away from your opponents. And so it's kind of like, it's a swing of points or it's a swing of resources. Mm -hmm. And so that can be huge. And I want to reiterate a point Dalton that you just said is that the cards, and this is a trap that I have fallen into before where I was like, okay, I have these cards. Um, my military strength is lower than my opponents. However, I have these cards to make up the difference. So I will be fine. And that is not the case that will save you from one aggression. And I think that that is something very important to remember as, as you're playing this game is that the cards will save you from from one aggression, and they are not they're they're not always staying around because once you play the card, they get discarded, and then you're vulnerable again. And so that that's just something to keep in mind that I have fallen into the trap of before.
0: The other thing that can happen then is okay. So let's say you like even in just like a one on one game, right? Like say you defend yourself against like my aggression, and so you discard like all these political cards. You're like, oh, crap, like, I need to build back up so, like, that doesn't happen again, right? Um, Well, what happens is you you end up spending your military actions to, like, build military units, right? And oftentimes that will take so many of your military actions that you actually won't draw more political cards, right? So then on my second aggression, if you're not, because, like, because you draw up to three political cards if you have up to three political actions left at the end of your turn... Like, even if I'm just beating you by, like, one strength or something on an aggression, it might go through just because you don't have, you didn't draw any more cards, right? Um, And so, because I think in my, like, early games, I thought to myself, I don't need military actions, like, unless I'm pursuing a military strategy. And I think, really, in order to be effective at the game, you need to be pursuing, like, three to five military actions, like, getting into age two, especially, uh, because you need to have, like, room to spend one or two on, like, an aggression or on building some military units and still be able to draw three political cards every time.
1: And by military actions, you mean, like, physical, like, you have civil actions and you have military actions. So you mean, like, actually having, like, four to five red dots on the app? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, red dots on the
0: app, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so that I can use, like, two of them to do things and still draw... Three political cards, especially because like towards the end of the game, um, when you get into age three, it becomes even more important because you need to be kind of like searching the deck for the types of like scoring political cards that will benefit you the most, right? So if you're only drawing like one or two political cards in age three, like you're really hurting yourself.
1: Cool. Okay, so i already learning stuff. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay, so we we we're kind of talking about the politics phase, which is the first thing that happens, and we're playing aggressions and beating up on our friends. <laughs> what other things? can you find in the politics deck or what, what are the things can you do in the politics phase other than play aggressions? I want, I want to kind of talk about this because if you're not playing aggression, you're doing something else. And so I, I, I want to kind of balance that out because there is an option. You don't just have to beat up on me the entire game. Um. <laughs> so Smalls, what are, what are some of the other things that you can do with your politics action?
2: Yeah. So you can either play like an aggression or war, or the other thing is adding a, you can add a card to the politics deck. And so those are, Anytime a card gets added to the deck, one another one gets drawn that was previously played. So, and and there are things like like was mentioned earlier. So, the strongest player gains four victory points. The weakest player loses. Um, they can be something that's beneficial for everyone. It can be everyone produces food. It can be literally anything like that. But so, but and then also if you add a card to that deck, then you get victory points depending on what age you're in. So either you can attack someone or you can get a free victory point or up to three.
0: Yeah. And I think the, there's a couple of good things there. First of all, the like the warm and fuzzy ones, the ones that like benefit everyone, um, those can be really tempting to play. Um, and that's one of the main times that I will like look across the board and see like what positions are people in? Like if I play the one that, you know, I'm like, Oh, I really need like resources. And then I play the one that like allows everyone to produce resources. It's like, that's, that's fine. Maybe I do need resources, but it's a really, like, resource-scarce game. Like, everyone always needs resources all the time. <laughs> yes. Right? So, I really need to be sure that not only is it benefiting me, but probably that I'm actually one of the people who produces the most resources, right? Because if I'm, like, bottom of the stack and then I play that, like, I just benefited all my opponents a whole bunch. Like, I really didn't help myself out all that much.
1: Yeah, it's very much a game of what is my net gain, not what is my yeah. gain. Okay, so those that's everything that we can do in the political action, right? Yeah, you can anything. play packs
0: too. That's, like, the other uh, thing. Yeah. But, like, I don't think that they're a really big part of the game. So, we can kind of... Skip. Pax,
1: tell them on us. Pax, tell them on
0: us. <laughs> 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 yeah, you can play, like, political, like, Pax. P-A-C-T-S. Um, and they're... I don't know. I think that it's one of the only parts of the game that's like, uh, eh, that could have been cooler. Like, that doesn't really work all that well. In my- Maybe at high-level play it does. But, like, I don't know. At our play, I, I don't really think
1: it does. <laughs> Alrighty. So... <laughs> So after we move out of the politics phase you're going into your main action phase and this happens in player order which is I think why it works so well in an app based game because mm-hmm. you know at sitting at the table everyone is going to be sitting there for 30 minutes before it comes back around to their turn and so that's <laughs> kind of the downside of the physical copy whereas you can get a ping on your phone or your iPad or For whatever sure. and, and yeah. play through your turn during that phase and so talk to me about the is it just like action phase civil action phase or what yeah I, yeah. yeah yeah I mean this
0: is the majority of the game right this is really the meat, like where the game is happening so one one thing to note I kind of plan and smalls i'd be interested to hear if like you you think about this or if it's any different for you i kind of plan around like 18 rounds roughly like roughly six in each of like the main like phases sorry what are you smiling about
2: i just i literally have no idea how long it lasts i'm just like (laughs) this is what i should do in this turn and that's what we're doing here
0: yeah i think like the app actually told me that because it will give you some like stats at the end of like the game and so like i kind of just started like visually like checking that and be like oh there's like we're kind of hanging around, like, 18 or so, like, rounds, you know. I don't I, I don't think it's super dependent on player count, like, because the game does scale the end of the game, like, the number of cards in the deck and stuff like that, and just how fastly they discard and everything like that. So it does, I believe, kind of hang around that. Um, but it can kind of help you for the most part. It gets, like, towards the end of the game. It can help when you're making decisions on, like how many, you know, victory points per turn is this thing going to give me versus this other thing?
1: So 18 actions, and on your actions you have... 18 turns, yeah. 18 18 turns, I'm sorry. Yeah, 18 turns, rounds, and on your turn you're doing civil actions. So Smalls, can you talk me through a couple of the options you have to use your white dots on the app?
2: Yeah, so those, in general, you can use your workers to either create, mostly create resources. Um, So you'll put them in to create more food, to create more materials, more science, or victory points are essentially, or happy faces. Uh, Yes, don't forget about the (laughs) happy faces, they get angry. (laughs) They're very important. Um, Essentially, you are placing them into buildings to to have them produce more things. Um, Other things you can do, instead of not with your workers, you can take cards from the river, or you can play cards from your hands using the science that you've built up.
1: So what are some of the cards that you can take from the river?
2: Um, So those will be, like, different buildings that you can have. Um, There'll be different governments. So the number of, like, people you can have in each type of building is dependent on your government size. And that also determines your number of actions, both civil and military. And then you can take the yellow cards, which are essentially, like, make everything else easier-ish. So, like, you can (laughs) make a building with, Less resources and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, those those yellow action cards are way better than I ever thought they were. I thought that, like, for for the longest time, I played the game where if I had a leftover action, I would take one of those yellow cards because I just <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I couldn't plan ahead enough because the turn that you take the yellow card, you cannot play it, and so mm. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing this turn, so I don't know what I'm doing next turn, and so <laughs> I <laughs> so I think that those those action cards are crucial to a good strategy.
2: Especially like you were talking about how it's a resource limited game. And so that is one way to get your resources without having to build up.
0: When you're playing this game, like it always feels like you're behind, like even if you're winning, like you always feel like you're (laughs) behind somewhere, you know, like, and, and so first of all, if if you're a new player, just understand that that's natural. Like you're always going to feel like you don't have enough of something. Um, And like just the pacing of the game, like the way it works out, like if you are perfectly balanced, like you're not, you're actually behind on everything or something like, (laughs) you know, like you're always behind somewhere. It's almost impossible not to be. And I think this is a good place to like go into that a little bit because there's kind of, yeah, there's kind of like a couple different types of resources and Small's just listed like a couple of them. One of them is like literally like resources, like which is like your money in the game. So like that's a bit of a confusing term, but actions are definitely a resource, right? Food is your other resource. That's like how you make workers. Um, You can kind of consider like your food and your workers kind of actually a similar resource also because you can add workers to your pool so then like you know <laughs> workers could be this other entire resource one of like the most devastating wars is war on territory where you can steal like workers from another player's pool like so if you manage oh. to steal like four workers like like the actual yellow dots and they move from another player's play area into yours it's like it's devastating. Like there's, it's it, like, you know, if they're like happy faces aren't ready for it or whatever, like all of a sudden they have to make like three workers and it's like, this is impossible. So they just have to destroy <laughs> their build. It's it's bad. Like it's really mean. Oh. And so, the, the, but the reason I thought of all this, again, you're always, always going to feel like you're behind somewhere, but generally the other like flip side of that is you're kind of normally ahead somewhere too. Like you have more of something than you really need. So like you're accumulating, food over time, for instance, or you're accumulating resources over time, you have more happy faces than than you really need. And then one of them is you might just have too many actions, right? And so the yellow cards give you a way to convert that excess of resource, like the X source act of your actions back into like usable resources, right? So you can say, or you can look at the board and say, like, I'm, I'm really slow in like my my technology or my science production, right? Um, So I'm going to grab the ones that, like, it's going to say, like, develop a technology and then score three science or something like that. So it's going to reclaim that for me. It's going to cost me one action to, like, draft the card, or maybe more if you pick it from higher up. Um, But because I have more actions than I really need right now, I'm going to use that to, like, kind of cover this other weakness that is my science production's too low, or something like that, right? I guess science, that's another resource that I didn't list yet.
1: (laughs) So let's just lay out all of the kind of resources in this game, because there there are a lot of them. So you have Civil actions, military uh-huh. actions, military score. I, I think that's a utilization of a worker. I, I kind of picture that as a resource, or at least it's a it's a lost.
2: I'll give it to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's at least it's a sunk cost. Like you're saying. it's a sunk cost,
1: right? Um, you have just like kind of your ore production, uh, money. Yep. Food, yep. science, no. and then victory points. And happy faces. <laughs> and happy faces. See, I don't forget, forget about the happy, happy faces. Saying, <laughs> don't I keep don't forgetting about happen- the happy faces, and that's my downfall. <laughs> that's the only reason I lose games. That's now that I'm. <laughs> that's it. That's <laughs> the <laughs> one. <laughs>
2: yep.
1: Right. So, um, and and we kind of talked about it already on the podcast, where it's you kind of have to balance all of these resources, but not too balanced. Is there any of them that you can straight up ignore?
2: No. I was, I've tried. No. I feel like every time, every time I forget about one, then I'm just like, oh, frick. Like, now I need yeah. that, and I can't do anything else until I get food. Like,
0: Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, there's none of them I would say that you can I- entirely ignore. There are, there are some that you can cautiously be low in, right? Um, food production can be one of them. I would say... Like, food production and happy faces can go hand in hand. The way to, like, deal with that is to have more tech, right? So if you have a lot of tech then you can basically your workers can do a lot right they're they're on high value buildings and so because of that you need fewer of them right the flip side of that is if you have a lot of food and you have a lot of happy faces you maybe don't need as much tech because you can just kind of flood your buildings with a bunch of like low-level guys right it's kind of a strategy it can work
1: gotcha so so food and tech seem to be kind of if you're going heavy into one, you probably want to spend your resources elsewhere, not necessarily pump up the other one. Yeah. So, sometimes. With, within reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not like we said, I
0: think military could be another one. Like, you can choose to be at the bottom. You just have to make that choice very carefully. <laughs> um, and the last one I would say would be probably culture production. You can choose, specifically early in the game... You can choose to be pretty low in culture production. If you're complementing that with like a high military and you're like beating up on your opponents, and if you have like the right you know draws and political cards late in the game, so you get these really high bonuses, or maybe you complete really powerful H three wonders, right, that score you like a lot of points at one time. Um, I think you can come back from a culture deficit easier than you can come back from like a technology or a resource production deficit.
1: Okay, so if I'm going into H three and I have a way lower culture production, that's not necessarily an indication that I'm losing the game. I mean, like, obviously, if you guys are at, like, 150, I'm at zero, it, it's going to be a tough hill to climb. But right. if, <laughs> if everyone's at plus 15, I'm at plus six, that doesn't necessarily mean I've lost the game.
0: Yeah, I would say you're not out of the running yet. Depending yeah, because on, you have you know, so many s-
1: other mechanisms or levers to pull to get victory points in the third age.
0: Right, yeah, assuming that, you know, you are also like higher in technology and culture. Yeah, in, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean. Like you have, you're above them in other areas. Yeah, I think you'll be able to leverage that to at least make a run for it.
1: Yeah, you can't just be bad. You, you can't be the worst in everything and expect to win the game. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> righty.
0: Yeah, so the game doesn't have a lot of like catch up mechanisms. Like we said, that's kind of <laughs> no. a that's kind no. of a downside maybe. Um, but it's just like you know it punishes poor play like it, and it rewards good play
1: yeah i i, I totally agree with that so we, we've talked about there's not really anything that you can ignore smalls do you think that there is anything that you need to focus on and that it, it's almost impossible to be the lower or like a, a lower production in this you need to focus in food or you need to product focus on happy faces is there something that you have to focus in
2: honestly i think it changes throughout the game Okay. Like at the beginning, you don't need as much food because Mm -hmm. you're. It doesn't cost as much food to get new workers. But then, like later, then when you ignore it, then later on it comes back up. But you need you need the resources like the coal or whatever it is to build your buildings so that you can actually do things later. Like so, and then then later on you're just like, well, I want to pay for this really expensive government, so I need a bunch of science tech, like that kind of thing. So it kind of changes throughout the game if that makes sense
1: yeah no that that makes a lot of sense and just not something that i've really thought of before i was like last time i didn't have enough food so now this time i'm not gonna make that mistake (laughs) again i'm gonna get Moses, and then i'm gonna produce a lot of food and then you lose by a lot (laughs) (laughs) so so that that's kind of that that's really interesting so you're saying lower food and this is all relative right lower food in the early game when you kind of and then you want to ramp that up more so because workers cost more to enlist later on in the game. And obviously this is all kind of this can be changed because if you grab like the ocean liner, then you don't necessarily need food production because that just gives you a free population every turn. So there there are a couple of different things and there are a couple of tactical decisions you can make throughout the game to change what you need to be doing. So that's interesting.
0: I would say it's a bit of a function of like the cards that you get dealt, right? Like everyone's starting position is the same in the game, but you're going to have like leaders that come up. You're going to have like certain technology cards that come at the right time. And like you said, you might get a wonder that comes through that is going to make things, you know, significantly cheaper or significantly easier um, to go one way versus the other. Like if I get a really early... If I get really early access to a lot of food and then let's say I get like St. Peter's Basilica comes my way or something like that. um, that's the one that it's a wonder that you build it and it has a happy face and it says that every other thing that makes you a happy face gives you an additional happy face, right? Okay. So it's going to like make it really simple to just like fill out your happy faces. Well now I'm feeling like, okay, maybe now I'm in a strategy where I can make a lot of workers. Like how am I going to leverage that? Like military can be one way to do that. Um, because I can build like cheap military. And then I can, like, send it to, like, conquer the, you know, we didn't talk in the political age, we didn't talk too much about, like, colonizing, um, but that's a, um, that's a really food-heavy, like, undertaking, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't cost a ton of resources, it costs a lot of, like, food, you know, because you're, you're basically sending your population away, and that, like, destroys them. And so having, like, cheap military can be, like, one way to, like, kind of take advantage of, of that, easier than, like, other players can, Um, just, like, as an example, right, um, The other way to think of it is like okay if i don't have that like if i'm just getting really early access to a bunch of maybe resources right so i have like this over overflux of resources like how do i leverage that if i also don't have food Um, one way to do that is wonders right wonders are like they are expensive in resources and like if you look at them just cost for cost they are much more expensive typically than like building a building that will do the same thing but they don't cost a happy face right and they don't cost like a population so they don't cost food Um, So you get to like kind of subtract that back out. And so if I just had a lot of resources, maybe that's a way that I can like leverage that advantage into something. Right. So that's what I'm saying. It's a little bit like the cards that kind of just come down, basically just come down the river at you and how you react to them.
1: Yeah. So it's all, it's, it's, it's changing strategy throughout all of the ages, no matter what you, you always have to kind of be thinking on your feet. Yeah. Making those kind of decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, does not bode well for my playstyle. I <laughs> I like <just> try <laughs> to try and execute on a uh, a strategy. Okay, so so that's that's interesting.
2: Oh no, I was just gonna say every time I've tried to do a strategy, it never works out. Like okay. yeah. I forget about it about three turns <laughs> in because those yeah. cards did not come up.
1: And and like honestly, that that's a really good. Statement. That's a that's a really good thing for people to keep in mind. That they can't necessarily go into it thinking that they're I'm going to play the game this way. And it's a very reactive game. A very what is my net gain here by playing these cards? And then what can I flex into or out of in order to optimize my resources? Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. that's really interesting. And
0: overall, just as a, as a note on that, overall actions will let you be more flexible in strategy in general. Right. Um, Because like, again, if I don't have enough food um, and so I'm struggling on like food, I can like destroy a building and recreate it as another building. Right. But that costs an action. I have to take a civil action, to destroy the building and then another civil action to build the next one. Right. Um, Or like having more actions again, lets me like claim cards from higher up in the river, right? Because they're, they're more expensive the farther away they are. Most people will try to avoid, like, the level threes. But if you just have, like, a, a shit ton of, like, you built Republic or something like that that gave you, like, seven <laughs> civil actions, right. like, yeah, you yeah. can do that, right? You can pick stuff from the top, and, like, you're probably not losing all that much on a given turn. Um, and then similar again, like if, if I know that I want to have like a military heavy strategy, I'm going to need the military actions because I need to be drawing multiple political cards in order to draw the aggressions that I need in order to draw the tactics that I need. We didn't talk too much about tactics yet, but like the, the red political cards that allow you to give you extra strength just for the combinations of units that you have super important to have like the right tactic if you're going to pursue a military strategy. But in order to do that, you need military actions, right? So if you're finding yourself like really that you, have a strategy that you want to pursue and you're not finding the cards that you need for it actions are kind of the way to like try and fix that that would be the first thing to try and do
1: yeah and kind of going back to our other discussion i feel like actions are hard to ignore like that that's one of yeah. them that you probably want to be pushing and trying to get more of i mean you can obviously have too many actions but it's really hard to go through h3 with four actions <laughs>
2: yeah I, I, I think that's I literally losing. yeah I literally just in my last game I, like, that I was just playing right before this was like I had four actions like the whole time because I picked I think it's Theocracy. I'm not sure. And like it was like, but it gives me a victory point. And <laughs> I only had four actions like the whole time and it did not go well.
1: <laughs> right. In a highly tactical game, having more flexibility is always a good thing. Yeah, for sure it's
0: one of the things that makes like constitutional monarchy like so hard to ignore because it's just like the perfect it feels like the perfect balance of like six political action or six civil actions and four military actions just like feels right um, <laughs> and it makes it really hard to like do any other government in my mind like when you get like more experience at the game you can like balance it out with like you know the the like special technologies the blue ones right you can you can pick up extra civil or military actions wherever you need um, I've been really digging like republic which is the 7 2 um, plus like age 2 military for two extra military actions, so that you're like 7 4. And I really like that combination, especially because you can like tech into Republic in a revolution for like three science or something stupid. Like it's <laughs> like that. It's actually like teching into Republic that way plus age 2 military is, I believe, cheaper than just doing like the full tech into constitutional monarchy if that makes <laughs> sense like like not the revolution version but it just like paying for it for the full tech right. is like mm-hmm. more expensive than doing those two together.
1: So we've we've been talking about a lot of the cards that you can take using your civil actions from the row. I think the one other thing that we haven't really touched on yet are the leaders and I think that this is like a pretty integral part of the game. So Smalls, do you want to tell us what a leader is? See, I did that. I only asked you because you just took a drink, and so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this, I
2: looked at you specifically. Like, I'm going to take a drink, so don't. Say oh, anything. I literally thought you were saying, "Hey, call on me." Uh, yeah. Call mm-hmm. on me. See, yeah. our
1: communication it could be better.
2: We'll work on it. Nelson
0: also just, by the way, went through a you know an MBA program and still doesn't know what a leader is. But you know, go ahead, smalls. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so in the game, leaders are essentially. They come from the river, so you'll pick it from the river, but there are different leaders for different each age. And so they essentially kind of will end up guiding your strategy in a way. They're each based around different things in the space. So like Moses is based around getting you more workers and paying less food. There's like Genghis Khan, who's all about military.
1: Mm-hmm. If you're fitting. one of the...
2: Huh? Fitting. That's fitting, yes. yeah. Uh, if you're one of the top two military, then you get plus three victory points at the end of the round. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. Einstein has to do with science, like different things like that. So they all play into a different, a different set of like buildings or different kind of strategy to go towards. Mm-hmm. Um, you can the leaders only stay around for an age pass. So if you have a age one leader, um, it will like be retired by like three. So if you still have him when three starts, then he will be kicked out because he's old and dead. <laughs> um.
0: Yeah. Leaders are also easily the most like powerful card cards in the game, like for their cost because they cost nothing, right? They cost like an action to take it out of the row. And then your first one costs like an action to play. Um, but then every, every leader after that, so long as you have an active leader, the leader is action-free to play. Like, you get refunded the action when you play it. And so, like, because of that, you can compare, like, you would brought up Moses. Um, Moses says you pay, like, one less food every time you want to, like, make a worker. Um, if you compared that to just, like, making a farm, right, to, like, generate one food per round, you know, it would cost, like, the two resources to, like, build it, but it would also cost, like, the, again the like some amount of food to like make the worker and it would cost the happy face. Like all of these costs are like wrapped into it. And Moses is like, I, I cost one action, you know, it's like, that's a crazy <laughs> right. amount of benefit yeah. for like basically no cost at all to the point where I think it's basically necessary. I don't know that like taking an age, a leader is like hundred percent necessary. It's still like pretty good thing to do, but like if you just miss it, an age, a leader, like generally an age one leader is going to come fast enough to like, you can probably just grab that one. It's not like that big of a deal. Um, but having a leader, basically at all times during the game is pretty critical I think to doing well
1: and also making sure that they don't die (laughs) because you're you're losing in action you're losing that flexibility Mm -hmm. you're losing just more do you typically build are you are you searching for a leader that fits your current strategy or are you kind of morphing your strategy around your a leader that comes up
2: I yeah my I think the problem is the word strategy in this in that I usually wing it. And so um, <laughs> it's a, if there is a cheap leader and I'm like, ah, you work, then uh, I'm going to take it. But like okay. I have like favorites, like in general, I really, I, I like Genghis Khan, like not because I want to be the strongest military because, but because I get three victory points every time. And then like that gives me an incentive to be in the top two okay, and yeah. still stay close to my other person. But yeah, sometimes it's just based on what I need at the time. And I'm like, ah, you will fit this perfectly kind of thing. Okay. Usually I'm not like scoping out which one I want because, yeah, in general I don't usually take cards that it costs because there's the different areas of the river. It's like it either costs one action, two actions, or three actions. And I very, very rarely will take like a three and like slightly rarely will take a two. Okay. But, like, if it's in the ones, then I usually. That's, that's, <laughs> you, you're that's a what very happens. tactical player. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So you
1: see the options that are available to you and make the best of that situation. Yep. Alrighty. What about you, Dalton? Do you uh, do you build a strategy around, or do you find a leader that fits your current strategy?
0: Yeah, I think I'm generally looking for a leader with like what I'm either like that either fixes a problem that I have, you know, or okay, like helps yeah. take advantage of like somewhere where I'm already strong. And so like Genghis Khan like uh Small's brought up I think is a really fun leader because he like allows you to build military for cheap and then he rewards you for being like in the middle of the pack t- or towards the top. He allows you to divert resources away from military by like you don't have to like necessarily like draft a cavalry card because he will allow you to take advantage of tactics as if you have cavalry for just having infantry, right? That's kind of a gotcha. like special okay. thing that he does. And so like that's kind of like if you're taking him then it's like okay, well I better not have a cavalry card, or I'm like just I'm losing advantage of this benefit, right? You also need to kind of recognize that, like later in the game, you may like be stuck with only infantry, and you haven't really invested in like the infrastructure of your military, right? Um, so just like kind of a caveat that you have to be like maybe aware of, like <laughs> oh maybe I need to grab a a cannon card or have a you know have another tactic lined up in my hand um, to like switch out of my like cavalry plus infantry tactic that I'm using, um, that I'm only able to use because of Genghis Khan. Gotcha. But yeah, in general, I would agree. Like I I won't take a I won't take a leader from like the th- three action slot until like the third age. If it's like a really good one, like if it's like Sid Meier um, and I have like already age three computers or something like that. Sid Meier says that your like your technology or your science producing buildings, whatever they're called, like your labs, that's what they are. Your labs produce um, culture equal to their age and then they produce one less science, right? So your age three, labs now produce instead of producing five science they produce four science and three culture which is like that's crazy like i'm totally gonna yeah. totally gonna do yeah, that. Yeah. you know like it's absolutely worth it and if i'm like if i'm gearing up towards that and i already have like the science card or something like that and i see that and especially if there's somebody else that has you know that i think might take it by the time it comes back around to me then yeah i'll, I'll reach out there and grab it uh, because it's such an amazing benefit Um, but I have to kind of already be geared up towards that strategy, right? Like, I wouldn't take it if I'm, like, not already gearing into science. That wouldn't make sense.
1: You're you're not going to hate draft Sid Meier. Right. Because you can get a – it's, again, your net benefit, right? So you're taking away from me, who has a huge lead in science, but also another Bill Gates, or that's probably a bad example, but another leader can help you better than, you know, just hate drafting that for me. So I've heard – Genghis Khan and Sid Myers, Smalls. Are there any other leaders that you particularly like, or you you enjoy picking more so than others?
2: I in general I like ones that give culture. In general, just as the thing, like if I'm picking between different buildings or different leaders or something, if they give me like one culture per turn, I'm probably gonna pick it. Um, okay. I'm like a very like just constantly build up victory points. Um, okay. Yeah, so if I if I see James Cook and he uh, and if I have colonies or if I'm like, I'll just throw some more colonies over in that political deck so that I can get him to give me some more victory points because he's two victory points for the first colony and then one for each after.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. So he he can rack up some points.
2: Yeah, so if you if you have earned colonies, then like he's a keeper.
1: Dalton, any other ones that you wanted to highlight of leaders that you wanted or that you enjoy?
0: Yeah, I really like. Um Michelangelo, he's another one that gives you, like, um, kind of free culture. So he gives you, he gives you culture for the uh, happy faces that your, um, like, urban buildings produce. Um, I think wonders, too. It's, like, happy, it's, like, urban buildings and wonders. And so I brought up, like, St... peter's basilica earlier that's the one a wonder that gives you and every it's like every urban building produces if it produces a happy face, it produces an extra one right so like the combination of those two if you like see those come in really early i mean like age one that can be a really powerful combination because you can build like a you know even just like an age one theater um, that's like drama or something and it's like two culture and one happy face right so now the basilica makes it produce an extra happy face so it's two and two and then um, Michelangelo says that it produces two extra culture because it has two happy faces on it, right? So now all of a sudden you're like age one theater is effectively doubled. It's effectively producing four yeah. culture and two happy faces um, for like very little, you know, very little investment. Um, so even just dropping like two of those and you can generate like eight culture production um, plus the three, it's like St. Peter's Basilica is two and a happy face. Michelangelo is going to say that it produces one extra culture because of its one happy face. So now it's like right. you know, a total of like 11 Culture production relatively early on in age one and like nobody's gonna be anywhere near that, you know Uh, Michelangelo is one (laughs) that I will actually like carry through a lot of age two um, Just because that bonus if you're like built to take advantage of that that bonus can be really high
1: So, okay. So another question for a newbie like me Uh, Do you look to switch out your leader early in? Age two, like, is an age two leader that much better than age one? Or is it kind of, again, like, you have to judge the situation and, you know, the net benefit? Because, I mean, I guess if you wait, there's always that risk that you're going to lose them towards the end of the age.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you can also lose it. And starting in age two, you can lose it to, like, Iconoclasm, right? And there's, which is, like, the one, it's, like, uh, anyone who doesn't have a leader from this age loses it. Um, That's a bummer. Yeah, it's a political card that destroys leaders from age one. You know, during H two, basically, um, or it can you know it can be used in H. It can be put in the deck and be drawn in H three, and it will destroy H two leaders. It can work that way too. The I think that they are really strong. The H two leaders, they some of them are feel like a strict upgrade, right? Like where Isaac Newton feels like a strict upgrade of Leonardo da Vinci, right? Like where it's like he they both have tech benefits and like. He, Isaac Newton's just kind of better at it. Gotcha. So in one sense, it's like, oh, okay, I can basically spend one action to just upgrade my leader, you know, and get the same benefit, but just continue. Um, You just have to then kind of make the determination of like, okay, am I, have I gotten the benefit that I needed in my engine out of Leonardo da Vinci? And would I be better suited by, you know, waiting for like Napoleon, right? Who has like these crazy military benefits that can generate like a ton of strength really quickly. You know, would I be better suited to
1: like wait for another leader? Are you kind of along the same lines of thought there, Smalls?
2: Yeah, I think like also definitely I've like grabbed a leader and just held on to it waiting because I'm like, this isn't as good of a benefit as I'm getting right now. Like if I play this one, if Mm -hmm. it's like say you're getting culture or whatever and it's like if I keep the one I have right now, I get three culture and if I replace it, I get two. But I know I have to replace it sometime this age. I will risk it For the biscuit for that one culture (laughs) point. Yeah. Um and keep it for and just like hold it in my hand.
0: I think a good example of that for me is um like Robespierre, right? Who is like the revolution guy. And Mm -hmm. it's like, well, I don't really have a reason to play him until like I also have a government in my hand to like cause a revolution, right? And his like benefit is so like instantaneous that generally you want to like play him use it and then like get rid of him because like you don't really like he's not he's not giving you like an ongoing benefit he lets you perform a revolution using military actions instead of civil actions Um, but he doesn't have like and he gives you like three victory points for doing that or something like that but he doesn't you know you're not gonna sit there and just do revolution after revolution like that's a a terrible (laughs) use of your time try me (laughs) (laughs) it is really satisfying I have like done a revolution into like Republic before right because it costs like again that three. I, I mentioned that I really like this combination of like Republic and Age Two Warfare. So you can do the Revolution. So now you have seven civil actions and like no military actions. But then you can play the like the blue card Warfare, gaining you like military actions, and then you can spend those military actions like within the same turn. Like, that's a real <laughs> satis- it's like a three card thing. But like, when you pull it off, it's really satisfying.
1: That's awesome. We've kind of already talked a little bit about some of the combinations, like Michelangelo and Saint Peter's bull- Ballista. Ballista, yeah, I think no, it's a ballista. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> As I was saying it, I knew it was wrong. Um, <laughs> are there any other combinations that you all look for between maybe not necessarily like wonders and leaders, but I feel like leaders kind of what I've gathered from the conversation is that they compare pretty well with a lot of things in the game. So what are some of those other combinations that you are looking for? So first of all, um,
0: you had mentioned the deck in the game is always the same. So in the, like, draw deck, you always... You do work through... Like, you will see every leader, and you will see every wonder in a given
1: game. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. What changes is, like, the copies of... of Like, repetitive copies. So, like, there will be more copies of, gotcha. like, given okay. technologies and stuff like that. So there, you're not always going to see, like, three coal cards, right? Like, that's not going to happen. Um, but the leaders and the wonders do stay the same. And so you can, in, like, age three, look for... Uh, like, I mentioned Sid Myers earlier. Um, he pairs really well with the internet wonder, which is... Like you get, you immediately score culture equal to all of the science and culture produced by all of your urban buildings, Um, plus like any strength bonuses that they provide, right? So if you have Sid Meier's, and again, that like, you know, a really high level lab, then you're producing four science and three culture for a total of seven, right? And so each of those buildings is going to score you seven points when you actually build the internet wonder. Wonder. It's also a relatively cheap wonder. It's like, I think it's like two, three, four, three, two or something like that. So it's like, it's resources. It's not that expensive to build for like an H3 wonder. The other one that I think you can look for is like Charlie Chaplin who doubles like your highest theater, right? Um, So if like you have movies out, then Charlie Chaplin says that the highest level one produces an extra, it's like having an extra, you know, theater there. Um, So instead of producing four, we would produce eight. Um, And then that comboed with Hollywood, right? Which is that any... Like, your library, you immediately score culture equal to, like, double the li- the amount that your theaters and libraries produce or something like that.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah,
0: Um So, all of a sudden, Charlie Chaplin is, like, adding, you know, first of all, he's adding four per turn for you, but he's adding eight to the total score from just that one wonder.
1: Yeah. Plus, yeah, he a has a happy combo. face. Oh, and actually, he might have that two. wins you the game. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've actually drafted, like, I've gotten hit by, like, the war on territory, like, lost dudes. I'm like, how the heck am I going to, like make enough happy faces to not just die and then just like taken charlie chaplin and played him for just like the two happy faces
1: there you go nice yeah <laughs> any combinations that you look for smalls
2: not on purpose
1: <laughs> that it's happy accidents yeah, everything they just, they just you happen. like the bob ross leader
2: yeah they just happen <laughs> or they don't i don't okay yeah
1: <laughs> gotcha i want to talk about the app versus the physical game mm, um yep. here here in in this episode so the physical game And the app have a couple of different rules. Dalton, do you want to run through a couple of the rule changes that the app makes so that it's a little bit easier for people to play? Yeah, sure. So first of all, like,
0: it does make some just, like, strict rebalancing changes. Um, So, like, some of... I think it's, like, Library of Alexandria. And, like, some of the, like, wonders just, like, are actually different, you know? um, Oh, I didn't know that. that. (laughs) Yeah, like, if you, like, just look at the card in the game versus what it does on the app, like, it
1: is different. That would be really good to know for people playing the actual game or something right right
0: most of it's not like in terms of like the strategies that we've talked about and stuff like it's not going to super impact like they do the same relative things you know they just might have like one or, one or two like small like balancing differences um, like in their cost or something like that um, so it does make that um, the bigger thing that it does is it just makes it more like um, a you know it makes it more asynchronous play friendly so, like, for instance, when you, in the, like, physical board game, when you bid on a colony, you just, like, go around the table and people can up the bid until, you know, some everybody backs out and then that person wins. Um, in, like, the asynchronous mode, like, it, it makes everybody make a blind bid just one time. And then, you know, whoever has the highest one wins kind of thing. So, it makes, like, some small changes. I think for the most part, it does a really good job of keeping the spirit of the rules. It'll just change it so that it's, like, more friendly to play in, like, you know, an asynchronous mode. Mode where like I'm taking my turn and then I pass it and then you take your turn like a day later.
1: Does that change any of the strategy that we have talked about today? I think the only thing that I can think of is bidding because I think that you can kind of get a feel at the table of what people are willing to risk a bit more than the blind bid. So if you're going around, you know, I'm thinking about my bid. I say I will bid two military for this colony. Smalls immediately says three. Then Dalton has to think about it and bids four like i get more information just by understanding how long it takes people what calculations they're doing to try and Mm -hmm. figure out what they're going into their strategy with it actually changes the rule as well right so um if i bid four for the colony smalls bids for for the colony and dalton bids three whoever is uh first in turn order actually wins whereas in the uh physical copy of the game you would actually have to up the bid so you can actually Mm -hmm. win colonies for a little bit cheaper on the app
2: i was just gonna say i think it's like what is your max bid that you would bid on this right because you don't you don't have to pay what you bid it's just you pay one more than the last one that's
0: a good point
1: that's a good point
2: yeah
0: Yeah. you can also like run the bid up on people around the table right that's like an actually important strategy um that if somebody like bids one it's like well i don't really want it but i'm not gonna give it to you for one like Like, i'm not gonna let you do that you know and so there's like a little bit of that going on and, and there's also some, like, if you're going back and forth at the table, there's a bit of math going on in your head, like, well, if I let him, if I run this up and then I let him take it for, like, eight, right, I'm now going to have a lot stronger military, and I'm going before <laughs> Nelson does, right, and I can yeah. play this aggression and take advantage of the fact that he, like, you know, kind of misplayed and bid too high in this colony. Um, that's right. a little harder to, like, kind of play some of those games in the blind bid.
1: Yeah, that's, that's like, 3D chess over here. like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, running up a bid on a colony that you don't even want because you have an aggression that you want to play and they need to sacrifice <laughs> military units. That's uh that's a that's a strategy right there. I love that.
0: I will because <laughs> of that, I will bid higher on colonies if I am sooner in play order.
1: Like strictly because
0: of that. Like I'm not going to bid super high on a colony if I'm like if I'm way back on the table because everybody's going to have a chance to take advantage of the fact that I just lost a bunch of military power.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a really good strategy. That's smart. Yeah, yeah. I should I totally do that
2: too. <laughs> Definitely.
1: My my decision on colony is very one dimensional. It's like, ooh, that looks cool, or nah. <laughs> okay, so that that's interesting. Any other changes that the app between the app and the uh, the physical copy? I think I'm meaner on the app. You don't have to look someone in the eye. <laughs> that's right. You don't have to look them in the eye as you
0: like, as you play this huge like war or something. So I think Smalls has been on the
1: receiving end of that. Yes, <laughs> yes, I have, and it was very rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 easier to declare war on someone 12 states away than it is sitting across the table. <laughs> within swinging distance um, <laughs> right. can I still yeah. sleep in your bed upstairs like, <laughs>
2: will you still feed me dinner please <laughs> Sorry, you need to get out.
1: <laughs> oh man that's that that's that's pretty funny uh
2: one thing up? I don't think was said is the app makes it so much faster
1: yeah uh, definitely. elaborate on that so why why is it faster on the app versus a physical copy
2: there's just so much adding of like resource um, production and stuff like that that it does for you instead of you having to do it yourself. Like I think that's a lot of it is just like mm-hmm. having to in between each turn, m- like having to up everyone's resource up their counts and move ar- move all the cards and stuff like that. Yes.
1: Yeah, th- through the Ages does a great job of simulating building a civilization And what comes with that in a physical copy is it is so tedious to move all of the (laughs) little cubes, the resources, the workers, the moving the cards, that the app just cleans it up. And so how long does it take for you all to play a game of Through the Ages on the app? Oh, man. If
0: I'm playing, like, against computers, you know? I don't know, 25, 30 minutes, like, because the computers move pretty quick most of the time. You
1: yeah,
2: know? yeah. Yeah. I was like, I started like an hour before this and then I took a call from my sister during that time and I still finished <laughs> by the time we got here. So here we are.
1: <laughs> and I I think that I have not played a physical copy of Through the Ages in less than four hours. Right. So, yeah. I mean, like, we, we talked a little bit about it in our virtual episode, but... I mean, like when an app can take time off, that's always a good thing. And Through the Ages takes literally hours off of the gameplay. Yeah, so, for sure. huge point. For to sure. the Plus, app.
0: you don't have to understand how happy faces work because it'll do yeah. <laughs> it. Yeah, it just does it for you. Nope. And <laughs> they look
1: angry when you're about to lose. So, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I see now why that's a bad thing. There's and then also, like, it'll like, even warn you. It'll be like. They're about to revolt, and this is very bad for you. Do you? Are you sure you want to do this? Are you um. absolutely sure? Yeah. Like,
0: would you rather just surrender?
2: I, feel like I remember you asking me what revolting people did, and I was like, I have no idea. I've never let it happen. Like, I, like it's not worth it. This is, I just know it's terrible.
0: Yeah, it is yeah. made to be like prohibitive. In the rule book, it even says something like, "Do not let this happen." Like, this is intentionally prohibitive
1: the last the last part about the gameplay on the app that i wanted to bring up is that through the ages is meant to be able to rewind your actions because there's so much Mm. going on and you in the physical copy you have to remember exactly what you did whereas on the app there's a undo button and until you hit end turn you can undo as much as you want change everything and so that also will save a bunch of time that leads into you know cutting so many hours off but it also helps like oh shit what what did I do? Where did I get these resources? What did I do there?
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of times in the physical game where you're like, I'm just gonna end my turn because like I don't know how to undo <laughs> all this <laughs> I, crap I know, that man. I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, the, I think one of the last things I want to add on is that it it does a really good job of displaying the other players' positions to you in like a really yeah. succinct and summarized way. And when you're like in the physical copy it can be really hard because there's like all these different levels of buildings and it's like okay how many resources do they have piled up and where and like how many workers do they have like I have to do all this math in my head to figure out like where they are at and how you know again like if I'm making that decision of like I want to play the political card where everybody produces resources I can hit the button it tells me how much everybody makes instead of like looking around and trying to like work that out you know so that can that can save a lot of time Um, especially it's it's again it's all public information you know it's like things that I could know it's just difficult to know in the physical game and the app makes it easy to know and so I think that just kind of overall kind of heightens the experience
1: cool yeah yeah that's a good point okay so looking outside of the um, the normal gameplay one of the other things that the app kind of gives us are these challenge modes Um, so I have actually not played a lot of these so the smalls I want you to describe what these are
2: yeah I've played I've played a fair few of these um, <laughs> is that is that an understatement <laughs> <Just> maybe <laughs> um, I it de- so there's a bunch of different challenges and they in some ways completely change the game um like one of them is essentially if a wonder like it doesn't cost you more or like it doesn't cost you as much to take wonders but if If the wonder leaves the river, like the other, the computers are not allowed to take wonders. But if a wonder leaves a river, then the computers are like benefited in some way. Like they go up in military or something like that. I don't remember what it is. But so then you're just like, I'm going to build all these wonders. That is the (laughs) only thing that I am doing right now. Like that is, that is my strategy is building wonders. And then there's like games that it's like just everything costs like 30% less. Like (laughs) just like every card costs less. So you're just like playing as many cards as possible. There's ones that it's like, they they like the like the seven deadly sins or whatever. It's like someone's gluttony and they have like plus two food production. Oh, that's really cool. Someone is wrath wrath and they have plus two military or like stuff like that. And so it's Uh, like okay, you have to go. And then there's one where you can only choose one leader for the entire time.
1: Oh wow! Like kind of thing, and they
2: stay with you the whole time, but like you can only choose one.
1: So, who's the leader? Who's, who's the right choice?
2: I picked Genghis Khan. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: I think Genghis is a really solid pick. I, I do like Michelangelo, like I said, for that one. And then also, I think Joan of Arc. I think you can make a, mm-hmm. a case for Joan of Arc. She, like, lets you look at the top card of the political deck, and that's, like, the main reason that she's good. It's like yeah. that <laughs> later in the game is just incredibly powerful information. Yeah.
2: Good old Joan.
1: Good. Okay.
0: So There's one uh, where, like, the calm yeah. starts with, like, Winston Churchill in play, and that one is oh, brutal. Yeah. Like that was just like he, if I had to choose one leader to like start the game with, I would choose Winston Churchill because he's oh, like, yes. he's like the one where you can like either get extra science and money for like making military on a given turn. He's an age three leader, which is like that late in the game. It's like still helpful, but like maybe not that big of a deal or you just like score three culture. Right. So but like that, like way early in the game, they can like ramp up the military or just score culture every turn throughout the whole game. It's like, golly, have you like beaten them all, Smalls?
2: No me um,
0: like there there's some that yeah. are really really hard
2: and there's like levels of each one and so it's yeah. like yeah they're crazy they're fun that you will lose a lot like, <laughs> yeah. they're like and it's just like like even just like the getting wonders it's like okay what does that mean that i have to do with my life like mm-hmm. that just means i need so much coal and then the blue technology mm-hmm. that lets you build multiple levels of it at once like kind of thing yeah and you got to know which ones to go for and which ones to just let it go. Like you, you cannot <laughs> yeah, physically the build them all.
0: I think it's, I think they're really good at like kind of forcing the problem solving. Um, I think the only like problem with them is like sometimes you can do what Smalls is saying. You can be like, oh, I know that I will need these things, and then like they just don't come. You know, like you just don't mm-hmm. get the right cards in the river mm-hmm. and you're like, ah, fuck it. And just like, you have to just start over. Like there's not a way to like, you know, cause <laughs> there's not a way to force things to happen in the game. Like it is supposed to be really flexible. So that like, if you, sometimes you can see the solution in your head and you're like, I, I can't actually do it. Um, so you have to kind of walk into that, like walk into it knowing that, you know, knowing that I'm going to need to like sometimes just restart the, the challenge. Um, but again, they don't take that long, like because the comms are moving because the app is fast. So you can spend 10 minutes and get into it and be like, I'm just going to try again. But I think as a, like, new player, they do a really good job of, like, forcing you to, like, practice, okay, if I have either this advantage or disadvantage, right, where, like, small set things are 30% cheaper, that kind of simulates you just have a lot of money, right? Like, how would you take advantage of that in, like, an actual game? Um, or, like, if... If, you know, there's this disadvantage where, you know, my play the, uh, the, the computer has like more military strength than me. I'm just always behind a military strength. Like, how do I, how do I survive that and overcome that challenge? You know, like it gives you, it kind of forces you into practicing that. Um, and it can, it can really up your game just like trying to get as far as you can in all the challenges.
1: So, so you recommend for a newer player to play the challenges or are they kind of more for an advanced player? Do you think?
0: I mean, the first challenge is like beat an easy AI, you know? And like the later challenges. Like one of the later challenges is um there are no like it's it's something like there are no wars and aggressions, um, but there are four times as many like strength related events. So the things that are like oh, you know, you damn. lose like uh, yeah, exactly, like you lose the strongest player gets four, you know, like we said. The strongest player gets four victory points. So the weakest player loses four, or the weakest player loses a loses a population, or you know, like just bad things happening if you're weak. Um, and then it starts all your opponents at plus four strength. And It's like, well, fuck. Like, <laughs> oh, age one, like you might max out at like seven or eight strength, right? Like that's a really good position in like age one. Yeah, you know, maybe like ten or eleven or twelve, and like they're at they're just four up on you. It's like holy cow, it's wow. so tough, you know. So I think you'll in, if if you're starting as an advanced player, you might have to like quickly play through some of the easy ones, but they will very quickly start to challenge you in a, in a pretty rewarding way. Cool. Do you uh do you all have a favorite challenge that you've played? Yeah, so there are two that come to mind to me. Like, there's one that adds, in every age, it adds a yellow, like a copy of every yellow card, which just has, like, the effect of making the game longer. Um, and then okay. it starts yeah, yeah, yeah. your opponents at a high, like, it gives them, like, a head start. So that, like, the highest level of it, they start at, like, 180 culture. Um, they and you start to, like,
1: at 180 culture?
0: Yeah, and they're three, it's three hard AIs and they start at 180 culture and you have to overtake them.
1: Oof. I've like almost, I score 180.
0: I like scored within like four points
1: and lost it. Oh, that's so That's almost like worse than getting blown out by 100. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's like, dang,
0: I was so close. The other one I really like is it zeroes out your culture production. So it says you produce no culture. And then in age three, all of the like culture, political events produce four times as much culture.
1: Oh, okay. So that one's wow. really fun because wow. you can kind of ignore yeah. culture
0: production and it's just like build the best engine you can. And then at the end of the game, like see how much, you know, you score like 120 points on like just random political events. Yeah. Like at the end of the how game. It's you capitalize it's pretty on your crazy. engine? Yeah, That's cool. exactly. So that one's That's kind some,
1: of fun. Yeah. That that actually sounds like one that I would really enjoy. I think I would like that one a lot. Yeah.
0: Ignore the culture. Just make your engine. Yeah. You
1: know, <laughs> get rewarded. What about you, Smalls?
2: Yeah. That one is not good for me because I'm always like, I want culture <laughs> every time. Like it was, yeah. I think
0: Genghis Khan still scores. I'd have to check. I don't remember explicitly, but I think I think yeah, it's that matters. like
2: I think he bypasses the rule. <laughs> it's like that matters to me. <laughs> I still I just like I like the wondrous one.
1: Yeah. So, okay. Like,
2: that I said mo- mostly because I just never really focus on wonders in general. That's not a main thing for me. But so then mm-hmm. it like forces you to do it.
1: Okay. Cool. How many are there?
2: There's nine different like sets, and then they have most all of them have at least like three difficulty ratings.
1: Okay. So yeah, there's a there's a good amount of them. Yeah. Available to you. Cool. Yeah. yeah, for
0: sure. All right. So last last thing I wanted to ask just before we like wrap up, um, I think Smalls and I are pretty like. I think we go pretty much one for one. Like we're pretty comparable um, in like the games we play. And so Nelson, like from your perspective, because you've played a lot of games with both of us, like how is our kind of play style different or, or is it, you know, or are there similarities? Is it the same?
1: We, we haven't played actually that many games, the three of us, but I think that we have played or that I have played more games like one on one with each of you. And Mm -hmm. what I, what I will say is that I think that Dalton, you're more aggressive like when when I play one on one with Smalls we like just straight up ignore military pretty much and it's like it's just like <laughs> it's it just so turns true. it into an engine builder and let's just see how we can optimize what we're doing we're you know we're on different sides of the world we're not going to fight um whereas Dalton I actually have to like worry about that with you um <laughs> but it's kind of this unwritten rule uh between Smalls and myself that we're not going to build up military with the the three of us I think that Dalton, you do a better job of figuring out what the net score is going to be, and so you'll take a – I think that you will take a action that will score you less victory points but score you more victory points overall in comparison mm. to everyone else, whereas Smalls likes to try and optimize what's the best thing that she can do to get her score higher. And so oh, if yeah. it's plus 20 points for Smalls, but it leaves 15 points on the table for Dalton, um, she'll take that score, or she'll take that move, but Dalton will take the 15 points if Smalls think it's zero. So gotcha. I, I think that that is another difference in your two play style. That's but, interesting. And then, and then like the, the last point that I would make is that I think that Smalls does a better job of building her engine throughout the game. So like I always feel like Smalls is the head and you guys do trade one for one pretty pretty frequently. So <laughs> that like Dalton has more hidden points where it feels like Smalls is always doing the best.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree specifically with like that that last point. Um that especially going like into age three. I don't always have, like, an engine, like, where I want it. And then, like, I look over and it's like, dang, like, I really wish I had a Smalls' engine. You know, like, <laughs> just... And, and, like, kind of across the board... I think part of that is because you're right. Like, I'm generally investing more into, like, military stuff. And so, like, if... The flip side of that is that Smalls has more and not military stuff, right? Yep. So she, like, as a, as a trade-off is going to have a better engine. Um, but also, I think, in general, you're... I think you make wiser decisions, Smalls, in, like... Um, I find myself, for instance, like I will get sometimes like levels, like level one, two, three in like in resource production or something. Right. And I think that that's inefficient. You know, Um, I think you would want to go like one and three or like just two Mm -hmm. and just do two, something like that. And I think you're really good at identifying that. And I like sometimes I'm wasteful in like the technologies that I kind of recruited through the game.
2: I feel like you are more long term thinking. Usually, and I'm like, what is the best thing to do in this moment right now? Mm, yeah. And so I'm going to choose whatever feels right right now, <laughs> whether or not it, it fully <laughs> goes into what I should be doing.
1: And that that totally bleeds into other games as well, right? Like oh yeah, like the, Dalton's favorite game, Smalls, hates because they're high strategy, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I can totally I can totally see that um, in this game where it benefits both tactical and strategic players so for sure it's it's kind of a it's a fun crossover (laughs) yeah (laughs) it is yeah so this has been a really interesting and fun uh talk for at least me i hope it was for you as well Uh, (laughs) but but i enjoyed kind of seeing both sides of your strategy and how you play this game um and, and and kind of get you know the expert opinions. I I don't know if you all are experts because th- this is a lifestyle game for a lot of people, right? Like people will <laughs> only play this game, and are very very good at it. But I do think that you all are both very strong players. So it, it's been really fun and interesting to hear your uh, your um, advice going going into the game. So. Um, just to kind of wrap up, I'm going to let you all know where to find us. You can find us on Instagram, Discord, um, or YouTube, um, or any of the podcasts. I, I well, I guess if you're listening to the podcast, I don't have to tell you where to find the podcast. I feel like that's kind of redundant. But anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah. So your 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 best options to find us are going to be on Instagram or the Discord. Um, if you go to our website, which is uh, fantasyandsomeflights.com, all of those links are going to be up in the top right corner, or if you check the um, notes for the show description there are going to be links in that description so come hang out with us come talk to us come um, play some through the ages with us we're continually adding and playing games through our discord and so this is one that i've been wanting to try and set up a couple of games because they're so asynchronous you don't necessarily have to play these on a monthly game night so we can for sure we can play a game through the discord and if you're interested in that come kick our ass let's go um, <laughs> uh, try me. me let's go oh. <laughs> <laughs> the uh the gloves have been dropped <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i love it Alrighty, so yeah so come hang out with us we'd love to play and talk with you if okay. nothing else this has been a great discussion and i'm really glad that you all were here for it uh, Absolutely. thank you for, for, joining for joining us smalls,
0: smalls.
2: Ah, You're welcome. Do it. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Dalton gets all the points. <laughs> right. <laughs> I beat you, you know, at least on my end. You know, there's lag to. Yeah. <laughs> probably beat me on your end, but
0: you know, I'm yeah. just gonna claim it. <laughs> That's fair.
1: All y'all. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.